Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNBR Buffs podcast presented by the Colorado XOs. I'm Henry Chisholm, and again, before we get into the show today, just want to repeat that, you know, all of us at DNBR, our heart goes out to everybody in Boulder. What happened yesterday is just terrible, and it affects a lot of people in a lot of different ways. You know, obviously, the people who were there, the people who live in Boulder, who now worry about that sort of thing, people who knew the people who were involved, it's it's just a tough time in a lot of different ways for a lot of different people. And we are all thinking about all of you um, who were impacted. And, you know, it, it's it's just um, just a tough time. And... I think it's important that we address that again today before we get in to a pretty short show. Um, the reason it's going to be short is because there isn't any basketball to preview. You know, we're not like looking ahead to a matchup with uh, Michigan at this point. Um, what we do have to preview is spring football, which starts on Monday. Um, really couldn't come at a better time. Uh, I know I'm excited for that to get going. And over the next few days, we're going to be talking about, you know, what what to watch for uh, as we go through spring football and into the spring game. And the reason we aren't going to start doing that today is because, honestly, I don't really know what I'm watching for yet. I mean, obviously, like, you, you start with Brendan Lewis. You know, Sam Neuer has the shoulder issue. I don't think we've gotten an update on how much he's going to be able to participate in spring ball um, but yeah, there, there's a lot to watch and we're going to dig into that probably starting tomorrow and go through Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, talking through that sort of stuff. And then Monday, I'll be back here after talking with a couple of the guys after practice. So football's around the corner with the basketball season ending. I think it's good that we're going to get something, uh, happening. Um, but today though, uh, we're going to talk pretty quickly about Will Sherman and Mustafa Johnson. And the reason is that those two were the only two participants in CU's Pro Day yesterday. Um, Things went well. I've got some numbers to talk about. um, And we're going to take today and really talk about where those two fit in the NFL. And I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, Before we do that, though, I want to say a couple more words about the Colorado XOs. Um, That is a rugby team right here in Colorado that is currently 2-1. While 2-1 isn't like the most impressive record, 
it actually kind of is when you remember what they're doing out there. They're taking a bunch of athletes who play basketball, um, who played soccer, football, and they're teaching them how to play rugby. The fact that they're getting wins this early is phenomenal. Um, the idea, though, is to keep teaching them how to play and keep developing them to the point where they're ready to play for the U.S. national team. The reason it works so well is because both of those two teams, the U.S. national team and the Colorado XOs, train at Infinity Park in Glendale um, at the Rugby Town National Training Center. Um, you can follow along with the DMVR Rugby podcast, uh, the DMVR Rugby Twitter account. Uh, it's, uh, it's a good time. Cool stuff going on. All right. Um, let's just jump in. So, like I said, only two CU prospects trying for the NFL this year. Um, Mustafa Johnson, Will Sherman. Both of them figure to be likely day three picks. I think Mustafa's probably a little bit more likely to uh, make his way into day two. That's the second and third rounds day two. Then uh, four through seven on day three. But they are, you know, in that five, six range as of right now with the potential to climb, potential to fall. And I think yesterday was a good day. I think yesterday was a good day. That's what Carl Durrell told us after Pro Day. He said he was impressed. He thought both of them were going to be very happy with their performances. Um, and he, he had some other stuff to say that I thought was interesting. You know, so usually for Pro Day, you get scouts from all the different teams. You get media members from basically all the media outlets in Denver go up there, plus some others. You'll get some national media too and then there's also most of the football team is out there to to show support to to see how everything goes so that when their time comes they have a little bit of an idea of what's going to happen um this year though as you might expect was different um teams were allowed to send three scouts or not just scouts they could they could be three members of your organization whether you want to send scouts or coaches or your gm or whatever um, yesterday, 24 teams sent representatives to Colorado's pro day. That's an impressive number. Um, and Carl said that he also was very impressed. He said that the fact that there were only two of them and the two of them were able to draw that much interest, you know, it's a good sign for him going forward. Um, only one team sent two different scouts. Um, that was the Dolphins. They sent Lenny McGill, um, and their offensive line coach, Lemuel Jean-Pierre. If I'm being honest, a lot, I, I don't recognize the names on this list. You know, um, we'll, we'll, we'll use a Broncos example just because, oh, there are a lot, there's a lot of crossover between Broncos fans and Buffs fans. Um, when Trey Lance had his pro day a couple of weeks ago at North Dakota State, I, I'm pretty sure the Broncos sent, um, George Payton, their new GM, uh, their offensive coordinator, Pat Shermer, and I'm pretty sure the head coach went too. That was for a quarterback that they're scouting to potentially take in the top 10 picks. That's why you send all those resources. When I look through the list of names, I'm not seeing names I recognize as like GMs or coaches or like head coaches. I might be missing somebody, um, but that's who is out there. Still impressive to pull interest from that many teams. Um, the other thing, before we start digging into the two of these guys, um, the, the other players on the team weren't allowed to go. 
And Carl said that a bunch of them were like texting saying like, hey, do you, do you think you could just get me? And the answer was no. You just can't get those out there because uh, of the Pac-12 rules because of – I'm pretty sure NCAA might have some regulations on pro days this offseason too. Um, but, yeah. So it was definitely a different environment. No media there either. I didn't get to go watch. And that that is kind of a, a strange thing because we talked to Carl and Will and Mustafa – afterward but we didn't see anything that happened and so you can't say things like um mustafa you didn't run your 40 why was that uh because we didn't know we eventually were told um but you know it it is kind of different like going into a press conference without knowing what exactly the vibe is going to be what happened um it's not like watching a football game and then saying hey there was the third down over there what what happened on that third down yeah, so just like a, a very different year for pro days um, and a, a year in which pro days are even more important because there's no combine. Um, typically, scouts really like using the numbers that they get the combine because everything is the exact same for everybody. Every running back is running the 40 time or they're, they're 40 within like an hour of each other. And that means that you're going to get real real numbers. I mean, that you could compare across these different players. When, when you use pro day numbers, there can be a lot of differences because some places are just faster or some places there might be wind on one way. And that helps, you know, Penn state famously has like a, a super fast track. Um, so it is a weird year. People are putting a lot of stock in pro day numbers um, that are maybe just a little bit inconsistent. Um, but I think that that's kind of all the background. Um, and let's just start with Mustafa. Mustafa comes in just over six feet, six feet one eighth, um, down to 280 pounds though. And he said that that was something that he did intentionally. Um, he's lost. I think he said it was either 12 or 14 pounds of fat and he's put on two pounds of muscle and he feels good. He said, uh, he also said, um, I think somebody asked, maybe it was Justin who asked, or Justin Guerrero from Rivals who asked, uh, like, uh, what is your goal? Like, like, what are you trying to do to your body? And Mustafa just said, have you seen a picture of Aaron Donald without a shirt? Like, that's, we're just working toward that. And that is such a great answer for so many different reasons. First of all, because Aaron Jones, shirtless, looks phenomenal. And if you're going for anything, why not be going for that? A second because Aaron Donald actually has a lot in common with Mustafa. Um, the big thing is that they're undersized interior defensive linemen. Um, I'm, I, I can't remember what Aaron Donald came in at at his pro day, but I want to say it was just under six feet with Mustafa coming in just over six feet. That's not what you want to see for a defensive lineman. The NFL wants guys who are 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", super long, 290, 295 pounds, guys who just have like this length so that they can toss guys out of the way, get in the backfield, get their hands up, bat balls. Uh, Mustafa, the little bit of a throwback. Aaron Donald proves that guys like Mustafa can work in the NFL, though. And that's why the fact that Mustafa was able to just throw out Aaron Donald's name at some point during his press conference... You love to hear it. What a move. Agent had to be telling him to do that. But yeah, it's good stuff. Um, He didn't do some of the running. Um, He didn't do the 20-yard dash. He didn't do the 40-yard dash. He says that he has a little bit of like a a hamstring flare-up that's bothering him. And 
what he said was that it it, it really just kind of catches up to him at the back end of his 40. And that's why he didn't run the 40. He did, however, run the 10-yard uh, sprint, it, which is honestly like more important for defensive linemen because you think of what do defensive linemen do. You don't think run 40 yards. You think run as fast as you can in a short distance. And it's all about that burst at the beginning. Um, and that 176 he put up, solid. You know, it's, it's not going to be flashy. It's not something that, that really stands out. But overall, good stuff. Um, just to wrap up the measurements real quick, um, the 10 and one eighth hands, more than half of the defensive linemen at the combine last year had nine inch hands, um, somewhere in the nines. Mustafa probably is in like the, the top 25% of hand size for defensive line prospects. Um, arm length, a little short there. Um, not, not like absurdly short, they're definitely like guys who have shorter arms, but that's not strength. The wingspan is uh, a little bit worse shape than the arm length. But again, that's that's what you expect from Mustafa, considering you know that that he is only six feet tall. Um, jumps real quick. We can fly right through these. Um, the vertical. He had a twenty-nine inch vertical jump. Average for defensive linemen was 33 and a half for defensive ends, um, a little over 29 for defensive tackles, uh, which again was where Mustafa wound up. He's he's probably like a 3-4 defensive end, which means like his numbers realistically should be, like average for him should be halfway between what a defensive tackle and defensive end does. And if, and if he just matches that, then... That's just a 50th percentile result, I guess. Um, from there, you get into the broad jump. He went uh, 103 inches. Um, average for defensive end, 114. Average for defensive tackle, 105. So, uh, you know, not not great there. But, again, he's not somebody who I expected to be, like, the athletic testing freak. Oh, there is one more. Uh, Three-cone drill, 718. Uh, defensive ends typically seven two three. Defensive tackles seven five nine. That's a big win for Mustafa. Um, but again, it, it's it's what we expected, right? Did we expect anybody to say, "Wow, Mustafa, you're so long in the arms"? No, of course not. Um, do we expect him to say, uh, "You are the the best jumper we've seen"? It's like, no, we've we've seen Mustafa play football. He's not going to be showing off in the jump. But when you see the three cone drill, the quick feet. All adds up and matches what you see on tape. Um, and just to get into that a little bit more, what you see on tape is, first of all, the versatility. Um, played in a couple of different schemes, was asked to do some different things, and was successful in all of them. And I think that that is huge for a prospect um, because, you know, what an NFL team is looking for is somebody who fits into their scheme. You know, Teams know what they want, they know what works in their system, and they're trying to find it. But there are plenty of teams that are maybe just a little bit unstable. And maybe there's a defensive coordinator who doesn't seem like he is going to be around long. Or maybe, you know, all these different circumstances that can come up that makes being versatile a plus. 
and and being able to say I just put up the produ- production I put up this year in a one gap scheme, and the year before we were in a two gap scheme, and and things went great there too. That is going to be huge for Mustafa. Um, I do think that he does fit best in the one gap scheme, um, just because his leverage will play better there. Um, I, I think that he can kind of get low and get into the gaps and penetrate um, against a bunch of guys who are bigger than him. You know, that's what Aaron Donald does, with the difference being that Aaron Donald is just freakishly strong, and so he can just hold a guy where he is and then just kind of run around him if he wants. Um, Mustafa obviously doesn't have all the physical tools that Aaron Donald has, but when you look at how he fits in the NFL, I think that that is kind of like the prototype player that you would say he's going to do the same things, but I mean, obviously just not as well unless things go really well for Mustafa, which who knows? I'm not going to put him in a box. Um, so the fact that we've seen him play that three, four DN spot, that that's probably where he belongs. And then he rotates in, in the nickel formations. We have like the four man front. He goes inside one of those tackle spots and I think he can get into the backfield. And, and I think that if Mustafa goes in the, if he goes in the fourth round, that's a win. Um, if he goes in the sixth round, uh, I mean, I mean, fifth round, you're saying, yeah, that, that's that's a that's a that's a good result. Maybe what we expected. Sixth round might be just a little bit disappointing, but seventh round or later is where you'd start to feel disappointed. Not out of the question, though. You just don't know how these guys are going to get valued because he comes from the Pac-12, because he comes from Colorado. He's going to get bumped down a little bit just because of the 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 way that coaches see these teams, um, which they shouldn't. Um, but that's kind of if if I were to guess, I'd say that Mustafa goes middle of the fifth, late fifth. Um, but we'll see what happens. Um, he has a lot going for him in terms of like off the field stuff. I, when when teams talk with him, they're going to be impressed. Um, yeah, I think that that covers just about all my thoughts. Um, the fact that he changes body up a little bit, I think that that was really important for him to do. Since there are so many Broncos fans who listen to this, I'll say that I do think that that would be a very good fit for him. Um, especially given the history of players that they have there with like, you know, Draymond Jones, um, Demarcus Walker. I think that having seen the Broncos go after guys like that in the past, Mustafa does fit that mold of like a a later round guy who you can develop into somebody who can rotate in on defense. I think likely in pass rush situations is where I'd want him, but in a one gap scheme, you could kind of justify anything. Um, I think that's all I have on Mustafa. Um, we're going to take a quick break, but then we're going to talk about Will. And uh, the fact that he may just be a center in the NFL after being a right tackle last year, left tackle this year. I think he was left tackle the year before that or before those two years. Um, So a lot to talk about there. But first, I want to remind you guys that if you guys only listen to this podcast, then you're missing out on a lot. Um, If you become a member of DMVR, you get access to written content, access to our members only Discord, um, access to 
deals in the DMVR locker, and so many things. If you go to the DMVR bar, you get a huge beer for the price of just a normal beer. Um, every single time, every single time, it'll pay for itself with just that. Um, but also when you sign up for a yearly membership, you get a free shirt, um, a free CBD holistic stick. And what that does is you like mix it around in your drink. And once you do that, it becomes like a CBD infused water and you get all the benefits from CBD. Uh, the one that we will send with your order is a recovery stick. And so that means they'll help your body just like recover from a long day. Um, it comes from Holistic Wellness. You can check out all their products at holisticwellness.com. That's H-O-L-I-S-T-I-K wellness.com. And better yet, they're offering our listeners 30% off their first purchase using code DNVR30. Get an annual membership, free DMVR shirt, and a holistic stick with the coupon side. It's a banger of a deal. We suggest using your DMVR30 code on the sampler pack. This includes five sticks of CBD for recovery, sleep, stress, beauty, and digest. You can see what works best for your, your uh, future purchases. Uh, head to the DMVR today or thedmvr.com today become a member of the family also want to give a shout out to breckenridge brewery um and specifically their broncos country hoppy pale ale uh if you like hoppy pale ales i think you're gonna like the broncos country hoppy pale ale um seriously it's a good beer uh we, we drink it a lot when we do the tailgate and the fact that we are drinking that beer at 10 in the morning consistently should tell you something about how good the beer is. Um, so many other options, the seltzers, the avalanche, um, just a whole lot of very good drinks from Breckenridge brewery and whatever you want to try, you can do that by going to the beer locator on the Breckenridge brewery website. And then it will take you to a map where you just get to see where all of your favorite beers are around you. It's super convenient. Um, check it out and also check out MSU Denver online. They've been working on perfecting online schooling for the last, I don't, I don't know, at least a few years. Um, and since they've started, they've kind of become the leader in the Rocky mountain region when it comes to online schooling right now, when we're in the middle, well, no, we're not in the middle of a pandemic. We're knock on wood nearing the end of a pandemic. There's still a lot of free time that people have because we aren't like going out and doing things as much as we did before. You should consider either going back to school or going to school for the first time or just like finding some classes that you're interested in and learning something because that is never a bad thing to do. Um, there are so many cool things you can do with MSU Denver Online. There are 40 programs that will get you a degree um, and those are just the online or hybrid programs. Um, you also have the opportunity to take over 700 different online or hybrid classes. Um, it's seriously good stuff. You can go to msudenver.com slash online for more information. And we really recommend that you check it out. Um, we've had a couple of our employees go over there and take some classes and they said that they were awesome. Um, and I trust them. So there you go. Even though Colorado is no longer participating in the NCAA tournament, there's still a lot going on. The Pac-12 has four teams in the Sweet 16. 
And I think that you're going to be able to get some pretty decent odds on them making it to the Elite Eight. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new customers in the center of the action. Bet $1 on any tournament game, and if your team wins, you win $100. It's that simple. Um, You pick any college basketball team that's still in the hunt for your shot at winning $100, and all it takes is a $1 bet and for that team to win that game. Um, There's no better way to put your college basketball knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if college basketball isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook has 100 to 1 odds on select fighters for this weekend's UFC 260. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DMVR when you sign up to turn $1 into $100.00. If the college basketball team of your choosing pulls off the win, that's code DMVR to turn $1 into $100 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, uh, let's talk about Will. Um, learned a lot yesterday. Um... The big thing is that Will Sherman has learned how to play center. He's been working with Ryan Jensen, who is from Colorado. He's the he's the center for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Super Bowl winning center. Um, and Will said that that experience working with him has been incredible. Um, he's learned how to snap the ball. And one of the things that he said, or I don't even know if it was him who said it. Now that I think back, because this all happened yesterday. It might have been Carl who brought up, you know, no, it was Will, because Will said, like, I, I, I want to show that I can make all the reads, I can make all the calls, because playing center is actually a very mentally taxing job. There, you're, you're basically working with the quarterback to design your pass protection. Um, you have to see the blitzers. You have to do stuff during the run game as well. It, it, it puts you in a decision-making position rather than, you know, if you're just the left guard, you're right there just blocking whoever you're told to block. The center has to tell people who to block. Um, so, because of that, I think that Will does have a leg up there because he is a very smart person. Um, you know, like I say, spent the last 10 weeks working with Ryan Jensen. I think that they probably went a long ways. I think I think they were actually working with Matt McChesney, too, out at 6-0 Strength and Fitness. Um, I'm not totally sure about that, but I do think that those two were out there. Um, but, yeah, you know, Will Sherman does fit that role well. The The disappointing part is that he, he he's going to have a tough time sticking at tackle. Um, he came in at 6-3 and a quarter, 304 pounds, it's not bad. Uh, Will said that he put on about five pounds of muscle. He's planning on putting on another five pounds of muscle. When you look at NFL tackles, typically they're more 6'4", 6'5", 6'6". Will would be on the shorter end. He, he certainly wouldn't be like the shortest tackle in the league or anything like that. Um, you even look at uh, Penny Sewell from Oregon, who's going to be the first tackle off the board. He's only 6'4", and I don't think he has pro day yet, so we don't know if it's like a... 6-3 and 7-8 type of 6-4 if he's really like 6-4 and a half. And, and that's the kind of thing that's really going to be big. But, you know, this tackle class so far has disappointed a little bit in the testing. Um, you know, a, a lot of the guys, you, you think of 
Slater out of Northwestern, he came in with short arms. Um, I think Samuel Cosme of Texas, he came in with short arms. A lot of these guys are not living up to the hype, really. And when you say short arms for a tackle, you really want 34 inches or more. Um, and a lot of people, including like my co-host on the draft podcast, Andre Simone, basically just take you off the board if you're under 34 inches, just because you need that type of length to defend against NFL pass rushers. Broncos example again, you watch Von Miller, the way that he's able to not only just time the snap and get off the ball quicker than anybody else, but just his actual quickness once he does get going, it means that he gets three, four feet upfield or three, four yards upfield in the blink of an eye. And that means a, a left tackle needs to be able to take a couple of big slide steps out there to be able to stay between him and the quarterback. And more often than not, they're going to have to be reaching out with those arms to be able to stop him from getting the edge. If you don't have long enough arms, you're kind of just stuck when you're playing left tackle if you're going up against the best of the best. And when NFL teams are drafting players, they want somebody who can compete with the best of the best in theory. Now, once you get into like the fifth round, could somebody say, ah, Will has some good tools. He's, he played well at Colorado. He may not have like all of, of the stuff that we look for, but that's why he's still here and we'll take a gamble. Let's uh, jump into these other numbers real quick. So that hand size, 10 inches, that's solid. Like I said, the, the arm length, a little short. Wingspan, it's 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 not good. Would have been the worst at the combine last year. Um, but from there, you know, the, the vertical jump, 26 inches, that's solid. Um, the broad jump, 9 feet, that is very, very good um, for a tackle. Um, you've got uh, a solid 40-yard dash time. I mean, he be he beats the averages for all of the offensive line positions. So that's that's a good 40-yard dash time at 519. Um a good three-cone time as well. He beats the average for tackles and that means that he's he pretty easily beats the averages for the other offensive line positions. And again, that's why you know, if you're an offensive line when you want to be a left tackle that's who makes all the money, and then right take tackles make some money, and then the guys on the inside don't make as much. And that's because they're a little bit easier to find. You look at Will Sherman and say, hey, there's a chance that he, he's an NFL tackle. More likely, though, you got to bump him inside. The good news is it does look like you should be able to do that, especially when you look at what Will's strengths were this season. He was such a good run blocker. Um, a good pass blocker for sure, too. Um, and I think that the tape is going to... to do him well. Um, but when you start thinking, okay, tackle, you know, him being a starting NFL tackle, 15% chance, just given the, the length, given everything. But when you say, okay, maybe he isn't that though, but there's a, another 35% chance that he's a starter on the interior. All of a sudden, it's 50-50. You've got a starter, and we're talking about drafting him in the fourth, fifth round. You know, that's that's good value. And I think that those percentages might actually just be a little bit better. Um, like I said, the, 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 a lot of the conversation with Will and with Carl about Will was about versatility. And, you know, Carl made a really good point. Once you get to the NFL... You're not dressing everybody. You know, CU, when they have an, a, a football game, 
They're dressing their hole too deep on the offensive line. They're dressing at least 10 guys. In the NFL, you're dressing seven offensive linemen. That means you have your five starters and you have two more. Maybe you have a couple packages where one of those guys gets on the field, you know, is like a technically a tight end, but you're, he's playing offensive line, really. Um, and then you, you have like a, a, a sub in case somebody gets hurt. Really, two subs because you're not using that 6-0 line package all that often. Because he can play tackle, can play guard, can play center, if, if he's like you're somewhere in that 7th to ninth offensive lineman on your team, it's pretty easy to justify giving him one of the uniforms just because you're not putting yourself in a box by dressing him. Um, again, you have to be a good enough football player for it to matter. You have to be good at all those positions or at least better than the other guys. But um, he, he does have some of those sort of traits that make him easier to draft. You know, when it comes down and you're saying, well, do we want him or do we want this guy? You can say, if it doesn't work out, there's still other reasons to think that it's going to, to work in another way, um, if that makes any sense at all. Um, I think that that's pretty much all on Will Sherman. Um, actually, let's take a quick break, and we're just going to run through the pro football focus numbers for him real quick, and that'll be a good full podcast on the Buffs 2 draft prospects. Uh, and actually, I just realized I did all four of the ads in the, after the first segment on accident. So we are good to go. All right. Um, let's just jump in with Will. Um, oh, this is interesting. Oh, I, I guess they kicked him out to tight end a few times during the season. I must not have picked up on that. Um, but they have a pro football focus, their advanced stats. They have William Sherman credited with four pressures allowed this season um and two of those turned into sacks he was called for one penalty and it was declined um in terms of the run blocking that's where i uh am really intrigued by uh william sherman um, real quick, I'm loading up Jarek Broussard's page because you can't actually see the stats on Wills. Um, but here's what I'm looking at. So when you look at Jarek Broussard, he was most efficient when running to the left end um, spot, um, which is technically like right outside the, the tight end. But obviously, Will is very important to, to that run. Um, he Jarek averaged 8.4 yards per carry when hitting that hole. Um, next most efficient was running off the right guard at 7.9. But then you get left guard, which is between the left tackle and the left guard at 7.6. You get between the left tackle and the tight end at uh, 6.2 yards per carry. And so the fact that three of the four holes that Jarek hit um, most efficiently last season involve Will Sherman... That is a very positive sign. Um, I know that Colorado tracks blocks that directly lead to touchdowns. I don't have that stat on me right now, but I can say that Will Sherman did very, very well in that stat as well. Um, so those are a couple of things that I uh, liked when I saw these numbers for Will Sherman. Real quick, we're going to jump into Mustafa's numbers. 
And uh, while this loads, I'll just start by saying that when you look at the advanced stats for Mustafa Johnson, they aren't all that different from, you know, say say like a J2 Fele from USC, just in terms of the pressures generated, um, the, the sacks, that sort of thing. J2 Fele is a likely second round draft pick. Now, the reason is that he's a little bit taller, a little bit heavier. Um, he checks some more of the physical boxes. Um, and teams won't be so worried about him just getting kind of run over by an NFL offensive line. I don't think that's going to happen with Mustafa, but because he is smaller, that is the concern. There's a chance that he does just get pushed around and he just doesn't work out in the NFL. That is the reason why he's looking at like a fourth, fifth round spot instead of a second round spot. Um, So yeah, let's jump into... uh, Actually, snaps by position is kind of interesting. Um, So he lined up most often as the left defensive tackle. Next most is the right defensive tackle. Left, uh, and then after that you get to uh, right end, um, left nose tackle. Eh, I guess maybe there isn't all that much there. But um, it was majority, what, uh... 227 plus 39 plus 12 out of 374 snaps, he was uh, at defensive tackle, Um, which I I wonder how that's tracked. I'm not sure I trust that. Um, Let's jump ahead to these uh, stats for him. So he was credited with three sacks. I can't find the tackles for loss. Oh, well, it doesn't really matter. But he was also credited with 18 total pressures in just six games. Three pressures a game. That's really good. Um, We can compare that. So he played 374 snaps this year, played 405 last year. Um, More because there were more games, but not all that many more because he was dealing with the ankle injury. Like I said, 18 pressures this year. 13 the year before. So, what changed? First of all, there was the change from the two-gap system to the one-gap. And, obviously, (laughs) that went well for the Buffs defense in general, but I think it did benefit Mustafa as well. On top of that, Mustafa, like I mentioned, was dealing with those ankle injuries last year and really didn't look like himself. Where this gets really interesting, though, in my opinion, is that Like I said, 374 snaps this year, but in 2018, 690. So not quite double. But the pressures, compared to the 18 this year, 50. That was a really, really good year for Mustafa Johnson. And that is what I think a lot of the scouts are going to like because, again, they were still running that two-gap system back then. So the fact that he had success in that, success in the one-gap, You really like that because you know he's scheme versatile. You can ask him to do a lot of things. If you want to run a complex defense, you can do it and have him fit in in different ways instead of just in one way, at least in theory. Again, things need to go well. He needs to be strong enough and big enough, all that kind of stuff. Um, But that is um, what I really like when I look at his numbers. Also put up 10 sacks that year, Um, only seven since. I'm not too worried about it. Um, 
I think that's going to do it. Those are pretty much all my thoughts on those two. I, I still think maybe they're jostling for position a little bit. I think either one could get drafted in front of the other. Um, it's going to be fun to see what the NFL thinks of these two, though, because we all know just how effective the Buffs' offensive line was this year, the Buffs' defensive line last year was, and um, these two were kind of the leaders for both of those groups. Excited to uh, see them take their next steps, and I'm excited to talk more about Buffs football starting tomorrow as we get ready for spring football, which starts Monday. Going to be a lot of fun. Um, we'll see you guys tomorrow. I think they like my Colorado sway, because when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado sway. Patiently awaiting When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid Cause you know we finna hit ya, hit ya, hit ya You on your own now, why you watching the official? You just better hope you make it to the next whistle And we ain't playing with you, you can get it anytime It started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the line My Colorado swag in the middle